0: Alright, I'm back. I know, you probably wondered where I've been. I guess it's been three, four months since I last recorded, and um, I don't really have much of an excuse or an explanation. Part of it is that I don't know that I read anything that was so earth-shattering or moving that I really couldn't wait to talk about it. The other part of it was just plain laziness, finding the right time. Uh, I got sick for a couple weeks and wasn't really doing a whole lot of really good talking, kind of a scratchy frog sound. And frankly, time just seemed to get away from me. I had all these grand ideas about providing you with my top 10 list of 2015. But as I went back over 2015, I realized I read a whole bunch of crummy books. Yeah, I was able to come up with 10 really good ones that I could put in my list, maybe 12. But you have already heard about most of them because I was talking about them all last year. Um, there were a couple books that I found to be considerably disappointing throughout the year. Uh, the largest one, or the the foremost in my mind of disappointing books was the one that I had been halfway through during our last discussion, City on Fire by uh, Garth, Garth Risk Hallberg, Wahlberg, Hallberg, something like that. That massive tome about the 1970s New York and all of the weird things that happened, um. I don't really remember too much about it other than to say that I was incredibly disappointed by it. And it was way too long, and I haven't heard anybody who has read it say anything good about it other than that it was really long. Um, So I couldn't really even bring myself to talk too much about that. Um, But I got to the point with the book that I just read that it was something that I thought needed to be shared with you, and I wanted to discuss it. Because as you know, I'm not really one to read the big event type of book, the one that everybody's reading. It took me forever to read Gone Girl. It took me forever to read um, whatever else it was. Um, and so it's not like me to go pick up the book that's the hot topic. And yet, uh, hey, I decided to go ahead and do that because I figured after two years of this book being the hot topic, that it's 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 time, right? I mean, I, I can't keep saying I'm not going to read it. And the book I'm talking about is All the Light We Cannot See by uh Anthony Doerr, which you've probably seen if you go to the bookstore. It's still in hardcover after two years. It's still on the top bestseller list. It's still being sold as the the brand new sensation. Now, you can tell that a book has really got legs if after a year or two years, it's not in paperback yet because people, the audience, the consumers are still out there buying the book in hardcover. And so why would the publishers publish it in soft cover if they're getting people to buy it in hardcover and I think it was just the when I was at the bookstore last week I noticed that um, gone girl is finally in paperback so after however many years that was I finally saw it in paperback but all the light we cannot see was one that I really avoided because of its its um, its credentials. It's having been the the winner of the Pulitzer Prize, the fact that it was on everybody's top 10 list, the fact that it's been at the top of the bestseller list for however many years it was, or they don't measure by years, they measure by weeks, however many weeks it was. And I had resisted the book solely for that purpose. I didn't want to be the guy who would be reading the, the event books anymore. And yet, I just figured now was the time I, uh, I found it on Amazon as used, so I got it uh, hardcover and used for whatever it was only a couple bucks, and I set to the task of getting through this book. Now, it's a long book. It's 530-something pages, and I can honestly say I had no idea what it was about. The only thing I did know was it had something to do with World War II and a French girl and a German guy. Um, I didn't know anything else about the book. I stayed away from reading the the jacket to get an idea of the um, of the plot, and so I just set to it um, and fig- you know learned about it as as I went through it. One of the things that I immediately liked about the book is that it has incredibly short chapters. I don't even know how many chapters there are because the chapters aren't numbered, but each chapter is probably a page and a half to two pages at most. Although I think there may have been two or three chapters that were maybe six or seven pages, and so this kept the the story going very, very well um, and you easily I could get through you know thirty forty pages in in half an hour because of how quickly the pages were turning and the the story alternates between characters and there are two main characters, uh, Werner who's the German, and Marie, who is the French girl. Um, and for the most part, they're the the preeminent uh, characters on the page. Obviously, there are supporting characters, and there's one uh, German officer who's a little bit of a a, a secondary character, but does have some important uh, participation in it. But other than that, it's Marie, and um, it's Werner. Now, Marie is Marie, and it's a hyphenated name, and I'm not pronouncing her full name because I don't know how to pronounce her second name, but I think it's like Marie Lohr or something like that. Anyways, I had mixed thoughts as I was reading the book. The beginning of the book, um, Marie is is a young girl, and she goes blind. And it's just her and her father. Her father is the the key master at the museum in Paris. And you learn that uh, Marie's mother had died at childbirth, and it's just she and her dad. And I remember as I was reading the first 50, 60 pages or so, that I was really worried um, about the book. I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to keep it together. I was worried that it was going to be something that would be too emotional for me to read, being the father of two young daughters. And reading what Marie's father goes through as he attempts to adapt his life to her new disability and to provide for her all of the great things that life has in store for somebody who is now at the point where they're no longer able to see. And so I remember just thinking that at some point it was going to tip me over the edge that I was just going to lose my composure and not be able to continue reading other than through um, through watery eyes. And it, it really was a little bit unsettling because I, I frankly was concerned it was going to be 500 pages of this. Obviously, I got through that and, and was able to to get through the rest of the book unscathed, so to speak. Um, but the father is really a, an interesting character and one who really has the sensitivity and the connection to his daughter um, that is... is is it was refreshing to read about because we see so many stories of dysfunctional families or poor relationships between parents and siblings, uh, parents and children this was not that this was a father who was willing to do everything in his power to make life fulfilling for his daughter even to the point of constructing an entire model or con- constructing a model of the entire city so that she could determine how to get along, get around the city. Um, um, she would trace the the streets and alleyways on this big model, and therefore when she went out, she knew, um, you know, she knew how to, to, to get around the city. And at the same time, he was taking her to the museum, and she was learning all about You know what the other people in the museum did and about the exhibits and learning all types of of different disciplines and learning how to read Braille and then learning how to read some of the the classics that he would provide for her. And you found that she was not restricted by her disability in any way. In fact, she'd found a way to, through her father's help, to really expand horizons and create a fulfilling life. At the same time, you're learning about Werner, who is um, a German boy, he and his um, sister... Their parents are dead, and they are living in basically an orphanage that is run by I um, I can't remember if she was a nun. I think she was a sister. I don't. I don't remember. Um, but they they live in this town where there's a a mine, and so similar to I, I I I visualized the movie October Sky and and the um the 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 mines the coal mines that the uh, that the characters worked in. That this was also that type of a of a environment where the kids would grow up and the boys would go and become miners, and so Werner had only this to look forward to: the idea that he was going to get out of, um, he was going to grow up and, and go to work in the mines. But it turned out that he had a particular um, skill set with the electronics and with um, with radios, and um, as the war was was breaking out and becoming more prominent, or at least um, the war effort was becoming more significant, he was recruited to go to a school um, where he was trained to become uh, a soldier. And so the book tr- goes pretty much um, through Marie's and Werner's um, few years leading up to um, basically the end of the war in Europe, so starting in like 1941 and... I'm sorry, it starts in 1934 and moves forward with the big conclusion in 1944 as uh, as the the days of the war are growing shorter and, and the war is nearing its end. Um, and so it's it's a back and forth. You have a little bit of 1944, then a much longer period um, discussing Maurice and Werner's growth, and then back to 1944, and then back to the longer periods of their growth. So The three phases of of my reading experience of this book. Phase number one was, uh, obviously, as I already discussed, the concern that I wasn't going to be able to get through it. Phase number two was a little bit longer. Actually, I take the back four phases. Phase number two is a little bit longer of a resistance. The resistance to look at the book cover and try and figure out what was happening, and where the story was going to go. Because Marie and Werner, they don't communicate. They, they don't know each other. They're not on any either side's radar at all. Uh, in fact, they're just leading parallel lives, never intersecting. And so it was a little bit confusing or um, just frustrating trying to figure out where the story was going, having not read the book jacket and not learning or, or getting some idea of how the, the, the characters were going to intersect. The third part of the book was within the last hundred pages of the book where it was to the point where all of the storylines were starting to converge. There was clear understanding as to how the characters were intersecting and how they were relating. And it really, um, it really not justified. It, It acted as a reward for the whole rest of the book. Now, that's not even the best way. It it really made the effort of getting through the, the inner portions of the book that that much more fulfilling. Um, it really demonstrated the groundwork that the author laid, each little layer piece at a time, putting this piece this puzzle together. With the end result being the interactions of the characters and their interrelations. And so as I got to that last 100 pages, and I started to appreciate the level of of attention to detail that the author had to go through in order to really lay out the landscape. I got kind of excited, like, as soon as this book's over, I'm going to start it over again. And I, I don't do that. I don't read books again. I, I have never read a book again. There's um, one book that I've had on my shelf that I would love to read again, um, and that's The Hunt for an October. And I just, I haven't gotten to it because i got too many other books to read. And yet this one, as I got to about 100 pages, 50 pages, no, 100 pages left in the book, I honestly had the thought of, when this book is over, I can seriously see myself starting it over again and reading it again from the beginning. There was just, the, nothing happens in the book. I mean, I I, I don't want to to lay the idea that, if you haven't read it, obviously, that there's this is a, a book that's nonstop action. It's really not nonstop action. And if you stop and try and think about everything that happens in the character's lives, there's not a lot. Um, it feels like it's a lot because of the number of pages and and certainly the number of chapters, but because the chapters are so short, they're not for the point of of describing a lot of action as much as just getting you connected with these characters, so that you have a a connection to them. That when the ultimate uh, um, inter, uh, when they when the convergence of the characters takes place, you know them and you're connected to them, and you have a a a visceral reaction to what happens to them and so I, I remember getting to about 100 pages from the end of the book thinking I want to experience that again now that I've now that I'm able to see how the characters are interacting and where the convergence will be I want to read it again that unfortunately led to the fourth reaction the fourth uh, feeling I had about the book which was when it ended which was oh it's over I was expecting something more. I was expecting a huge emotional upswell or downswell. I didn't know. I would have loved to have seen a happy ending. I don't know whether this was a happy ending. Was it? Was it not? If you've read it, I'm certainly interested in your thoughts on it. But for me, it it just felt like an ending. It didn't feel like there was a happiness to it. it. Didn't feel as if there was a sadness to it. It just felt like there was an ending. And that's kind of what brought the rest of the book down for me was the care and precision with which the author crafted the story and the characters and yet it seemed as if he didn't know how to end the story i think that he felt that he couldn't give it a happy ending or or a true happy ending where everybody rides off into the sunset with a smile on their face because this is still a, a book of, that takes place and is about World War II. The number of people who ended up riding off into the sunset happy was small to to nil, and everybody was negative. So, so everybody was negatively affected by the war. It would appear to be disingenuous to have a book about World War II, which resulted in everybody being happy. So I understand that. But the method by which the the sadness of the ending took place was so instantaneous and unfulfilling. Um, and so it, it just, it, it really kind of dragged down the whole rest of the book for me. Um, and I've read a couple of reviews of the book. I've read some comments on the book. Some people who asked the question on Goodreads what the name of the book is. Others as to trying to figure out what happened. Um, and I, I've read some of those explanations. Some of them are good. Some of them I don't know that I particularly agree with or understand. But I haven't seen anybody who said cover to cover, this was the best book they ever read or that it was the perfect book. Um, and, and granted, for a book that's been as successful as this is and has had as significant of, a, of support and, and legs of, of its run, I'm sure there are people out there and and reviews that I haven't been able to come across. But I haven't seen anything that said, cover to cover, beginning to end, as complete a book as you can find, Pulitzer Prize winning, um, justifiable. I just, I I don't know. Um, and, And I'm definitely one who needs a good ending. In fact, I'll take a good ending above a good beginning. I'll take a good ending above a crappy middle. But a bad ending will remove all of the good feelings or at least diminish all the good feelings that I had about the book. And that's the way I felt about this one. And I really wanted to like it. Um, I didn't feel as if I was being forced to read it. Um, again, it was on my own terms. If I had purchased it the day it came out or at, right after it won the Pulitzer Prize, I probably would have felt a, a bigger... Um, a bigger a bigger responsibility to like it. Is that is that a fair thing to say? I would have felt that I had an obligation to like it because of all of that. It's been two years or however long it's been. Um, I, everybody who wanted to read it has already read it. Anybody who hasn't read it, they've probably had enough time since it came out to have had the allure of it to be diminished. So I'm not being, you know I'm not a, a, a looking at everybody on the street who's reading it feeling as if I've got a um, you know I've got to enjoy it because that's what everybody else is. And so I really felt that I had the freedom to take the book as it was and read it on my own terms with no preconceived notions and no expectations and certainly no understanding of the of the storyline and like it or don't like it. and and I did like it. I did like it up until the end and then the end just kind of caught me off guard and I'm not sure what I was expecting. Again, I wasn't expecting, happy ending but i think i was expecting some sort of an emotional release because both of these characters marie and werner are under such intense stress and terror and and discomfort and and are in unsettling um unsettling situations constantly that i needed and and obviously as the reader you're stuck with them you're stuck with werner as he's Um, you know, going through the training. You're stuck with Marie as she's locked up in the room. You're stuck with, um, you know, Werner as he's in the car driving around listening for um, enemies who are using the radio. And you're stuck with Marie when she's hiding in the wardrobe as the German um, officer is downstairs. You're stuck with these, these people who are in such intense, stressful situations that, good or bad you know, happy or sad, the ending being, I needed the emotional release. I needed the release from the tension. I needed the the break from the, the the claustrophobia of it. And I didn't get it. And that's what bothered me about this book. And it's where that I would not read the book again. Not, again, not that I would because I, I don't reread books, but I don't feel the need to reread the book like I did when I was 100 pages out. Um, because to me, a 520, 530-page book that has a downer ending, and downer not meaning sad, but a downer meaning unfulfilling, is not another journey that's worth taking, Um, I can't see this book being made into a movie, although I imagine they will, because he couldn't stay true to the format of the book in the making of the movie. If you were to stay true to the format of the book, the editing would be atrocious, and it would make you dizzy. It would be 10 seconds of this character, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Um, I, I can't imagine it would be an enjoyable movie experience, aside from the fact that, again not a lot really happens. There's not a lot of action. There's a lot of sad things. There's a lot of uncomfortable things. But at the end of the day, there's not a lot of action. Um, So I guess I could see if they were to make a movie, it wouldn't be all 530 pages. They would compress it into a two-hour movie. They could create potentially more action than there actually was. Um, Because I guess if you were to take the book and compress it, You could see that there was more action, but by virtue of the fact of its length, it seemed more drawn out. I don't know. Um, But I I didn't dislike it. I really did like it. I really wanted to like it. I really did like it. And then the ending just didn't do it for me. And I had had half a mind to go back and reread the last 50 pages again to see if there's something I'm missing. But it's kind of like when you eat food and you don't like the taste the first time you eat it. You're not going to want to go eat it again just to see if the taste's still bad. You're, you still have that bad taste in your mouth. And I just had that bad taste in my mouth for this book because of the ending. And I really do want to hear from you who've read it because I may be wrong. I, tell me I'm wrong. I Again, I'm asking you to tell me I'm wrong because I really did want to read this book and I or at least I really wanted to like it. And for 450 pages of it, I really did like it. So that's uh, All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. That's really all I got right now. Um, I'm kind of excited. I got a couple things coming up that I'm really looking forward to. I I started this podcast because I'm not a part of a book club. I've never been a part of a book club. I've never sat in one. Um, And so I obviously was never invited to be in one. And now, um, through my temple, there's a book club, and obviously it's primarily made up, no, exclusively made up of the older ladies in the congregation. And every month, or every, whatever it is, every week, the book club, you know, promotes on the uh, the, the publicity for the temple of the book that they're reading, and the book club's getting together. And for the most part, I take a look at what books they're reading, and I say, eh, it doesn't look like anything I'd want to read. That's a chick book. That's a sappy one. Uh, I think the one they're reading right now is Me Before You by Jojo Moyes, which I have no desire to read. But last month, I saw that in the next couple months, they're going to be reading The Gollum and the Ginny by Helene Wacker. Now, The Gollum and the Ginny is another book that I've known about for quite a few, well, I guess when it came out in her cover a few years ago. And I was interested in it. I would picked it up, looked at it, put it back, picked it up, looked at it, put it back, and had never gotten around to reading it. Wasn't sure I really wanted to read it. Wasn't sure um, if it would be something that I liked. I kind of was enthralled by the idea of a golem and its turn of the century New York and, again, feeding back into that Victorian literature type of a field for it. But I never got around to reading it. And the, uh, the ladies in the book club, promoted that they're going to be reading that book and uh, they were supposed to be reading it and then discussing it this month in February so I immediately went out and got it I uh, went out I don't go out and buy books of course I do uh, but I amazon.com it um, and got a used copy of it and uh, I started reading it and of course they then decided they're going to push the book discussion on or the discussion on this book to May so I probably will have forgotten it by then but I'm really looking forward to having the opportunity to sit in a, in a book club and talk about a book, sort of like I'm talking to you, except you guys don't talk back. Um, and this will be an opportunity for, for uh, me to uh, express myself about the book, and then as well to hear what other people think, because I, I do have what sound like rhetorical questions when I do these things, because uh, I'm the only one here. Um, now, to give you a heads up on The Gollum and the Ginny, uh, I didn't like it. Um, I thought it was incredibly slow. I thought it went nowhere. I didn't really like the characters, um, and so I'm interested to hear what other people think because I think that I think that it might be a, a girl book as opposed to a boy book. Um, I think that there's a, a romantic element to the book that I simply missed out on or didn't really care about, and so um, so I'll, I'll I'll let you know how that goes. Um, because I, I'm interested. In, and then the, the month after that, they're doing another book called Our Souls at Night, which I knew nothing about, but I think it's only like a 200-page book, so I, I picked that one up as well. And so I'll go to back-to-back book club meetings, and maybe I'll they'll let me be a member. Maybe maybe I'll be an honorary old lady. Um, now, the, uh, uh, the next book I'm going to read, I think, is uh, um, I'm going to read The Heart. I think it's called The Heart Goes Last by Margaret Atwood. Um, I've read a couple of Margaret Atwood books, which I have liked, I read a book, oh, The Handmaid's Tale, I liked that, I don't remember if I read any others, now that I mention it, I don't know if I did, Um, but this one was, uh, came out last year, um, and it was, it looked kind of interesting, she's a little bit bizarre, I think she is still a a sci-fi type of a writer, which I don't really delve too much into. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. So I think after I finish that book, I'll come back in here and I'll tell you guys how it went. So that's it for me for now. Um, If you do want to hear what my top 10 list was for 2015, send me an email, booktherapy13 at gmail.com. I'm happy to give you my list. Um, Biggest disappointments of the year I got, to think, last year was uh, The City on Fire. It was just, you know what? As I think about it, the, the idea of City on Fire was all these different people demographics in New York in 1976 and 1977 and all of these different demographic people and their way of life during that period of time and how they all somehow are connected through uh, an attempted murder or an assault on a girl in the park and she ends up in a coma. And it just seemed so incredibly long and melodramatic. And I can remember the last, I don't know, couple hundred pages was actually this one night in 1977 where the girl is shot in the park. And what everybody's doing, it, it took place during a blackout in New York. Um, and so you have all of these characters who were trying to navigate their way in New York during this blackout. There's parents looking for kids, there's uh, lovers looking for lovers, there's guy looking for girl, um, all of these people who are out searching in the blackout, and the only thing that I could connect that to was the movie Magnolia, and if you've seen the movie Magnolia, at the end of the movie, when the frogs come falling from the earth for whatever reason, um it seems like there's all these different storylines that are going at the same time and they somehow intersect. And there's like this pulse to that last hour of the movie um, where there's not a lot of sound as far as music. Um, it just seems to be like a hum or a thrum or a, or a a pulse. And that's the way that the last couple hundred pages of City and Fire felt to me, that all of these characters were converging and, and the book had somewhat of a pulse to it, um, and that's just kind of the best way that I can can think to describe it. Now, the problem with that was it didn't really end any way that was satisfying. And when you're going to read a 900-and-something-page book, and you're really, really going to struggle through it because the language is really intelligent, to the point where you think that the author is just trying to show off how intelligent they are. The story is very slow. There's very little action. It's more of a character study than action-packed, and there's character studies that Charles Dickens does, and then there's this type of character study and, you know, tales in comparison. Um, and then for to get through all of that, 900 pages, to have the story pretty much just fall flat on itself and and the person who ends up shooting the girl is is nothing it's it's a secondary character which you don't care about and it doesn't really feel satisfying that again just kind of kills the whole entire book and it was a real struggle reading the book it was a real struggle finishing the book and even now it's a real struggle thinking about the book and i was at a i was at a bookstore a few weeks ago um, and I saw that it was a small bookstore in uh, in Hollywood, and I saw that the book was "City on Fire" was on its uh, on its the front table, um, critics' picks or whatever it was. And I said to the the girl who worked there, um, I asked her if she'd heard anybody say anything about the book, and she said no. And I said, really, nobody said anything, and she said no, nobody's talked about it. She said people are buying it, but nobody was talking about it. And I would think that your bookstore owner or your books, your the the person who works in the bookstore would know um, what books are are not only selling but what books people are talking about. And for a book that was such an event book, um, I haven't heard anything else about it since since it came out. So I wonder if that's a, I don't know. I wonder if that's a reflection of what the community is thinking about the book. So, anyways, for another time. Uh, Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at BookTherapy13. Email me, BookTherapy13 at gmail.com. This is Rob Cohen, and thank you for letting me lie on your couch.